I'm delighted to be joined by my next guest today, who's going to tell us all about habits and what they are, how we can change them, how they're formed. Uh, welcoming to the studio now, Dr. Maggie Burnett, Program Director at the Academy for Sustainable Communities at the University of Hong Kong. Maggie, welcome to the program. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Now, I, you and I met a few weeks ago when you ran a workshop at a conference we were both at called Creative Collision, and the workshop was called Hack Your Habits, which I thought was a great title for a workshop. Very intriguing. Um, so let's go back to the beginning first and tell us what what are habits actually? Because there are things that we don't really consciously do, but suddenly we're aware that I have this habit of doing X. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. So um, there's a lot of research on this. So the, the purpose of the workshop was to try to bring it to a level where we could all be aware of what it is we do every day. So essentially, really, um, a habit is something that we do, a behavior or an action that we do every day that we don't realize that we're doing it. That is, that's where we're now on autopilot. Mm -hmm. So for example, you get up in the morning, you brush your teeth. Very often you just do it automatically. It's not a conscious decision. So you might actually walk from the bathroom through to the other room and ask yourself, did I just brush my teeth? And you might run your, your over your teeth and go, oh yeah, yeah, I did, I did. As opposed to a decision or a choice we make that is a conscious decision. So that the habits, what that does is it actually makes us very efficient because we don't waste time and energy thinking about every single thing that we do every day. It's not a conscious choice. So our brain actually helps us to be more efficient. Okay, so how do we actually form habits? I mean, is there like a bit of brain science about habits are formed? Oh yes, there is. There's a lot of research. And actually, I just want to say, um, first the little academic part in me has to say, there are a lot of theories about our behavior um, and how we sort of automate this, this behavior. Um, and there's things called like um, the expectancy theory of motivation. And there's the values action gap, which sort of examines uh, why is there a gap between what we want to do and what we actually do, mm. right? So that's where this kind of exploration of, okay, what, what is in that gap? And then there's also theory of planned behavior and lots and lots of, of research on motivation. So trying to bring it down to this, how do we actually make a decision every day? Well, in order to save time and energy, it is in the brain where actually we embed pathways that are actually stored in the center of our brain in order to help us to get through the day efficiently. Mm. As opposed to, well, actually what it does, it actually frees up the prefrontal cortex. Mm -hmm. That's where complex decision making uh, uh, takes place. So it frees up that part of the brain to help us to confront these problems and challenges that we meet every day so that we can actually solve those problems. So our brain is designed to kind of be more, help us be more efficient. Like we, we our brain is not mm -hmm. gonna go, let's take the most complicated route to this, to, to achieve this task. No, in fact, in fact actually we, we find the easiest ways to do things. And then because we repeat that, the brain says, okay, now we know that, let's store that somewhere. And now you just efficiently follow those pathways without consciously thinking about it. Hmm, really interesting. So why do we then have bad habits <laughs> you know, what we, as the song just said what we what we label bad habits or, or is that just a false label 
You know, that's a good question in itself because some habits for some people might be not so good, but for others actually it works. I think really what it comes down to when we say it's a bad habit is when it is really detrimental to your health, um, mental, physical health, or you might actually be causing harm to someone else. So we often think of smoking, mm. right, as a bad habit. Um, we often think of reaching for junk food as a bad habit. However, junk food once in a while can just be a treat mm -hmm. and that's okay. But when it becomes a bad habit, it's because you're doing it so often that it's having an impact on your health. You might be gaining weight or, or something like that. So the idea is that we want to understand how that habit is formed so that we can really be aware as to how to unpack it or hack the habit right. so that we can change it. Okay, so let's get into hacking your habits. I mean, if you had a habit that you want to change, how, how would you go about changing it? How, where would you start? Well, um, it's interesting. There, um, in the workshop, actually, I, I asked people, um, has anybody experienced or going through the process of mindfulness? So that's where, you know, it helps people to be in the moment, to be a little bit more aware and, and really look at your surroundings as to how that might be impacting you for whatever reason that you're exploring that. Now, what, what the scientists actually say is add curiosity to that exploration. So when we go to the state of curiosity, we're actually a little bit more in a positive state of mind, mm. but also fairly neutral because we want to eliminate the judging part of our brain, which is also a whole nother science, <laughs> is that we judge and we come to some very quick conclusions when actually what we want to do is step back, not judge, be curious and start asking questions. So why am I doing this right now? Uh, why might I be lighting up my cigarette? Or why am I having my third coffee? Mm. Or, oh, I'm taking this route every day. Why do I do that? Just be curious first and do it in a non-judgmental way. And if you find yourself doing something that you are actually trying to change and you go, why can't I change this? One, don't beat yourself up. Okay. Okay, that's it. That's really important. Is we, we do have a tendency to beat ourselves up and go, oh, I did it again. I failed. When we have to recognize that actually our brains are, are doing this to help us be efficient. And so if we keep going back to that, we say, okay, stand back, be curious. Why am I doing this right now? And what tends to happen is we start to see that we have some patterns in our behavior. Then if we step back and become really aware, we may actually notice the components of the actual habit formation, which is this what's referred to as the habit loop, mm. where there's a cue or a trigger is what is often referred to. And that cue or trigger could be my mood, uh -huh. uh, certain locations, uh, time of day, uh, the people that I'm hanging out with, you know, because we kind of have friends maybe that are a little bit more mis mischievous than others. So we, we know we're going to get into mischief with them as opposed to maybe our more sensible friends. So there, there's those influences at, at that point. And so, um, or a preceding, um, uh, action. So for example, the, uh, the simple one that I used in the workshop was, uh, for example, every night you may get ready all your stuff, your work bag and your clothes for the next day. So you put your work bag at the door. Mm -hmm. So you can do what's called a habit stacking. Me means that rather than just focus on trying to break a bad habit, try to work with 
the behaviors you have to slowly nudge and work your, your way to, to achieving the thing you want to achieve. So you put your work bag at the door and then you go and say, you know what, I really want to make a difference with my single-use cups or bottles. So you put your refillable water bottle in your bag. So you stack. So now you, what you're doing slowly but surely is you're now going to try and establish that habit. You can do that with your exercise clothes. You can do right. that, you know. Um, that your running shoes or your, put your yoga mat out. Yeah. And so going back to this idea of the cue or the trigger of the habit is, okay, let's say I'm bored or a bit restless at the, a certain time of the day. I've done so many hours of work and I repeatedly want to go and get a snack or something like that. In fact, actually, one of the books, uh, Charles Duhigg, he explains how he applied that curiosity to discovering why he was gaining a little bit of weight, <laughs> eating cookies in the afternoon. But this goes to what reinforces the habit loop is the dopamine hit that right. you get. This is the reward. Okay. okay. When you scroll through your social media, you have now, satur you've now satisfied your moment of boredom mm. or restless, right? And so you're scrolling and now you get a hit of entertainment from your social feed. What he discovered was that when he, when he just followed and asked questions about that afternoon trip to get the cookie and the afternoon tea, it's actually his dopamine hit wasn't the sugar of the cookie. It was actually he needed to socialize with his colleagues. Oh, so okay. So by being just a little bit more aware of why we might do something, um, and, but start by just being curious, maybe even write down and see what patterns you, you observe in your own behavior. Um, but this goes back to this mindfulness and sort of a little bit of uh, introspection of ourselves to say, okay, what is it that is triggering me to then have the behavior to then smoke or drink the coffee or not to exercise yep. um, is, is to ask us the, ask those kinds of questions so that we are actually aware of what is stimulating us. Um, we could be stressed, so we bite our nails. So we get a temporary or quick relief from the stress by biting our nails. Now, the other reason, the other thing that I, I really wanted to, to talk about this was because um, we're overwhelmed by an awful lot of problems and challenges. I, of course, coming from sustainability, wanted to address things like, you know, sing, the use of single-use cups. Mm -hmm. why, why do people or us, we want to change these habits, but we can't. Right. So by doing the research and exploring and watching and asking people to just sort of um, look at their routine and their habits is for us to understand how do we make it easier for people to ditch the single use and adopt reusable. Mm. And the problem is, is that we tend to focus on the challenges, the barriers that are in front of us to be able to make the change. So by being curious, we can actually look around at our environment, at our own routine to see what is creating a barrier or an inconvenience. So for example, um, in the theory of nudging, right? So it's where, um, we don't tell people what to do. People don't like being told That's what true, to do. Yes. And even if we educate them, that doesn't, doesn't make any does difference. difference, right? <laughs> so we, we want to say, okay, well, how do we make it easier and a little bit more enjoyable? So if we look at it that way, we could actually start nudging people towards some of these other behaviors. Like um, if you've got a big open area pantry in the workplace and you don't really want to eat cookies or crackers and junk food, then maybe as a collective in the workplace, you could say, actually, why don't we remove 
those things that are unhealthy from our visible, like our in view, and start putting out bowls of fruit and nuts mm-hmm. and raisins and other things, right, on the counter. So what that does is it removes a little bit of the barrier. So what we're doing is removing what Dan Ariely actually in his TED Talks talks about friction. Mm. So remove the friction and make everything a little easier. So put out the fruit, put the vegetables at eye level in on the shelf in the fridge, things like that. So we can we can try to apply that in our work environments mm-hmm. if we want to try to solve slightly bigger, more complex problems. But the thing is, though, we ourselves have to experience it. We need to go through the steps and feel a little bit of the pain of what change feels like before we can really go to our teams and say, oh, we should do this. Mm. You should do that. Because like I say, you can't really tell people what to do. Most most of the time, people don't really want to be told what to do. They want to buy in and understand and do it and be motivated yeah. to do it themselves. And be part of a new solution. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you, we can do this as individuals, like making small changes to, as you say, remove the friction in, in our own habits. And then you talk about the workplace. In a whole society, if you wanted to change a habit, for example, in Hong Kong, the plastic bag, you know, single-use plastic bag thing, that was more of a, a penalty kind of um, a movement where you've got to pay money and mm-hmm. people then decide, is it too painful, me to, painful for me to pay 50 cents or now $1 for right. a plastic bag? And I think it was kind of effective because... People care about their money. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it, when you need to change a whole societal habit, it, it, can you use these same kinds of, um, you know, hacks, these sort of removing the friction and... Yes, absolutely. In fact, that's a great example of adding friction. So by and so it it hits the wallet. I mean, clearly for some people, and and they've admitted they say actually that it's such a small amount it doesn't matter to them. So you know, I, again, there's a bit of a disparity on on who it who it hits, but it's very effective, and that's why we want regulation policy in some areas where we go, look, we're not getting the change that we really want or we're looking for, so we might have to actually just force it a little bit. Um, but on the other side, where nudges really work, and this is where we go back to uh, being more aware, this idea of sort of being curious, and that is that um, we are being bombarded by stimulus or stimuli every single day to consume, right, to crave. So if you think about, for example, in, in the, the marketing communications sort of promoting of products field, they, they understand this science very, very well, and they've applied it very well. So think of it this way. When you go to the checkout counter in a grocery store, right, there's chocolate bars and that's very right. colorful candies. Gum and... At the eye level yes. of children. Of children, that's true. They're right? always down low. <laughs> because they know that in that last minute of the checkout where mom or dad are going to putting through their groceries, they're like, okay, I'm done, let's go. And the kid goes, and it's called, it actually has a name, it's called the nag factor. Oh, really? And so the kid goes, mom, dad, I want the candy, I want the candy. And they go, oh, no, 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 we're done, we're done. And they just nag and nag. And because it's a critical moment in the process of the checkout, most parents will give in, mm. right? And the psychology behind it is very powerful. And they put those things at the checkout counter for that last minute impulse shop. So, and the other one is like junk food. It is designed for you to go back for more. 
So again, it goes back to let's not beat ourselves up when we can't quite break certain habits because we are actually being stimulated to do that. Mm. And through the marketing and even the single-use cup. So that is actually helping to reduce friction for us to purchase, consume, and, and use. That's true, yeah. So it's about convenience. So the more convenient something is, i.e. we are rewarded then we go back and do it again. Just because it's the, easy for us as it, humans. Right. And that's humans are a little bit um, lazy. <laughs> yeah, no, right? we are, absolutely. And I think we just have to accept that and work with it. <laughs> that's great. So, Maggie, um, if people want to find out more about habits and you know how, how they can hack their habits, what are some resources they could go to? Oh gosh, um, I, I for this workshop I used um, I tapped into Dan Ariely, who's a behavioral e economist. He does fantastic TED talks. You could start there if you like to to listen. Um, there's three books in particular I think did a um, a good job of distilling the theory for us to understand this behavior, and that is Atomic Habits by James Clear, mm. uh, Grit by oh, grit. Angela yes. Duckworth. And uh, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. I think he was kind of the first one that really put it into a book where people could really pick up and go, oh, this is really interesting. Because he related his own journey of being curious about, okay, why do I have this? Why do we have these habits? Why, why, why can't we get people to sort of change their behavior? So uh, there is, there's a lot of research, a lot of science, but it's just nice to have it put into books that we can all just pick up and read exactly. easily. Yeah. Exactly. Well, this has been wonderful. Um, hopefully any listeners out there who want to change some habits have a bit more insight into why they're behaving the way they are and how, and how they can change it. So Maggie, thank you so much for coming in and thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure.